Good morning. I'd like to, uh, first of all, thank you, George, for inviting me uh, here today to be part of your chapel. It's a great honor to be invited to speak here. A few years ago, uh, my family rented a cottage and my parents joined me and I was inside the cottage doing something and I heard my mother's voice from outside, you know, Peter, Peter, your father needs help or something like that. And then she came through the door and said, your father needs help. Your dad needs help. And and that's a word that gets our attention, right? Help. My mom had climbed all the way up, you know, about 50 meters, not straight up, but up this incline to the cottage. And so I said, well, what's wrong? Which is your dad was out on the lake as he likes to do in the canoe with his golf umbrella to shade him, his bag of peanuts and his crossword puzzles. That's what he would do, just let himself drift around the lake in the canoe, except what he had done is he'd taken my dog in the canoe with him. And we told him, don't do that. Don't take the dog into the canoe because the dog likes going in the canoe, but he likes what is on either side of the canoe, right? What's on this side? What's on that side? And you can imagine what starts to happen, right? Starts to tip. So he's out in the middle of the lake and sure enough, the dog had tipped the canoe. So. I, I hurried to the lake. There, sure enough, is my dad drifting in the water, he's, but he's hanging on to the canoe. My dog, my dog is still in the canoe, which is about half submerged, half full of water. And a neighbor on a sea-do, though, had already come to offer some help, and he was pulling the canoe back to shore. And so I responded to this call for help and then did what any good son would do. I laughed and I looked for a camera. Um, I wasn't much help, but, but that word does get our attention, help. And we probably all use that word at some point. Uh, sometimes we've needed help for trivial things like a dog tossing us out of the canoe, but other times for, for very serious matters. And maybe there's some matters in your life today that are not trivial. Uh, could be issues of health for you or your family or emotional challenges or spiritual challenges, relationship difficulties, maybe things that have face, are facing your family. It might be job-related or school-related or financial, financially related, and you might be looking for help. And if not today, someday you will be. And Psalm 20, 121 is all about our need for help in life's journey. Psalm 121 finds itself in the middle of 15 Psalms in the book of Psalms that are, are pilgrimage psalms, psalms of, of ascent. And so scholars tell us that these are psalms that are recited or sung as the Israelites made pilgrimages ascending up to Jerusalem for worship. And so they would, they would sing or recite this psalm either on their way to Jerusalem or perhaps on their way leaving Jerusalem for home. But it's a song all about a guardian for life's journey, one who is our help. And it's a song that is not only a confession, But it's also a a psalm that gives us assurance and and it calls us to confess along, it calls us today to confess along with the pilgrims of ancient Israel that our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so that's our confession as believers today. The Lord is our ultimate source of help. He is our guardian. And the psalm begins with that confession. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And it's no coincidence that this psalm is connected with a journey into new territory. A couple of summers ago, my son, he, uh, he was 18 at the time, um, I got a, a message from him, Facebook message from Guatemala, where he was on a missions trip with some young adults from our church. And he's messaging me, 
asking me if it's okay to ride in the back of a truck, right? Now, if he was in Canada, he's just going to go in the truck, right? doesn't matter. But he's, he's in Guatemala, and the group has to go in the back of a truck to do some work somewhere, and he's messaging, is it okay for me to ride in the back of a truck? Thinking, you'd never ask permission. What's the difference? Well, he's not at home. There's not that level of comfort. And so he's reaching out. Not like, what was I supposed to do about it anyway? I'm like thousands of kilometers away. But the unfamiliar territory, when we're, when we're in places that are unfamiliar to us, we're more willing to ask for help. We don't feel as comfortable or as at home. And Scripture compares our lives as believers in this world to a journey and a pilgrimage. In fact, it's spiritually healthy for us to view ourselves as sojourners or pilgrims in this world, uh, as we're told in 1 Peter chapter 2, view yourselves as sojourners and exiles. And so that type of perspective reminds us that we need daily help from our Heavenly Father. We're on a journey in God's good creation, but we also find it's a place that's not quite home yet. It's full of sin, it's full of brokenness, full of troubles, full of suffering, and life's journey is not predictable. And troubles come without warning. Life doesn't tell us, hey, tomorrow this is going to happen to you. It just happens. And the psalmist psalmist knows that feeling as he looks up to the mountains. And we don't know as he's looking to the mountains, as he's thinking about perhaps the dangers dwelling in the hills. Maybe there's robbers up there. Or maybe the hills signified the place where the pagans went to worship their idols, their false gods, where they looked for help. But we do know that the hills remind the psalmist to look up beyond our own abilities, beyond our own expertise, beyond our resources, even above our friends, our families, our physicians, our counselors, our leaders, our government officials, to the source of our ultimate help, the maker of heaven and earth. And the psalmist invites us to confess The Lord is our ultimate help. He's our guardian. Now, the last six verses make a turn. They they give us assurance that our confession is well-founded. And notice how the the verses sort of move. Verse 1 and 2, it's about my help from the Lord. But the next six verses moves from first person to second person. Somebody is talking to us, the pilgrims. And some scholars believe this is the voice of Israel's priests, assuring The pilgrims at their confession is well founded. And what do these voices of assurance tell us? Verse three to four tells us, be assured, the Lord our guardian is, he's always alert. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Here we're assured that the creator cares intimately about his people. Love what Dallas Willard says about this, just paraphrasing here, but he says, you know, our God is so great that he can look after the affairs of the entire world and our personal lives equally well. I usually think it's one or the other, right? He says, no, no, we, we have too small a perspective of God. It, it's both and for God. That's how great he is. So God knows our life journey personally. He knows our lives are full of uncertainty and dangers, but he will be our keeper. He will be our guardian. He watches over us. That word is repeated twice just to, to bring it home to our hearts every moment. Each one of our lives here today is under his watchful and caring and merciful eye. And that's difficult for us to imagine because we, we can never be that alert. Every day we get tired and we get sleepy and we, we need sleep. In fact, we're told more and more, if we don't get enough sleep, we, we're told our society doesn't get enough sleep. If we don't get 
usually about six hours or more sleep a night. It begins to affect us very negatively. It lowers our stress threshold, which means we just can't handle daily tasks. It impairs our memory and our concentration. We become less optimistic. We, we become less sociable. Basically, we become irritable, and we get more hungry, <laughs> and, uh, and it increased risk of heart disease and all sorts of other things. So we need to sleep. We know we need it. And in the Middle East, ancient Middle East, those who served pagan gods believed their gods needed to sleep. And so you never knew when your prayers were going to be answered or heard because maybe the God was, the, your particular God was just asleep at that time, not alert. But not so with our God. He who watches Israel does not need sleep. And we can sleep because our God does not. And for those of us who feel too much of the time, perhaps, that we are indispensable and we need to give up sleep in order to get stuff done. James Bryan Smith heard him say once, he says, you know, God needs us to sort of be offline for about a third of every day so that we don't get in his way, so that he can get done what he wants to get done. Be assured, the Lord our guardian is always alert. Verses five and six bring us another word of assurance. Be assured, the Lord our guardian shades us from danger. The Lord watches over you, it says. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. So our God is always alert. He's always aware of everything, but does he really have what it takes to care for us personally, our lives, our families? Our lives are full of all sorts of circumstances and threats that are incredibly powerful might experience a job loss, an illness. There are political, social, and spiritual forces that are bigger than us, simply beyond our control. I think about Tyndale. I think the devil doesn't, he's not happy about having this, this university here. There's spiritual forces that are bigger than any one of us individually that might try to, to bring us down. And when we don't have control, and start thinking about, again, the social, political, spiritual forces that are out there. We, it makes us anxious and fearful. And the psalmist speaks about the sun and moon here to represent those powerful things that could bring harm to our lives on the journey. And so it doesn't mean the sun and moon are evil forces, although my skin burns way too early if I'm, way too easily if I'm out in the, in the sun. And in some ancient religions, it was sometimes thought that the moon had special powers, you know, being moonstruck, we've heard that phrase perhaps. But I think the psalmist is basically saying that avoiding life's troubles is tr like trying to escape the rays of the sun during the day or the beams of the moon by night. It's futile. And in response, we hear a personal word of assurance. Our maker will watch over you and guard you. He's closer than you can imagine. He is at our right hand. Like Jesus says, he'll never leave us, never forsake us. He's right beside us where we need him to be. And what is beyond our control, God can handle. 24-7, he is like a shade from what will do ultimate harm in our lives. Be assured, the Lord our guardian shades us from danger. Lastly, <clears throat> be assured, the Lord our guardian will preserve our lives forever. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He'll watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Now at this point, you might be saying, this psalm sounds too good to be true. You might be wondering at least a couple of things. Uh, maybe you're wondering something like this. 
Peter, doesn't, doesn't usually our help not come through, you know, God directly intervening through miracles, but through people and hard work? And I think the answer to that is yes. God's preferred means of operating is through people and creation's processes, and that's why pastors preach and teachers teach and song leaders lead and counselors counsel and physicians study and practice and all the other people that do wonderful things to help us. God has them in place to do that. And God can do miracles and does do miracles, surprising moments, but usually God works more subtly, but no less powerfully. And we are to recognize and acknowledge God's help coming from many different sources and people. Second question, God is this great guardian, then why does it seem that he misses some pretty obvious things that bring harm? Now, represented in this room today, I suppose, there are a number of different views of God's providence. So, so that we don't get distracted, let me just, um, for expedience sake, say, just um, imagine that I believe about God's providence whatever you want me to believe about God's providence, and then we'll just move on so we don't get distracted Uh, But why didn't God answer that prayer? Why did my loved one fall ill? Why did my sister-in-law, Maureen, become diagnosed with brain tumor last September 1st and die four and a half months later? I don't know. But there are some things to keep in mind even as these questions come to our minds. First of all, this psalm never denies that life will have troubles. In fact, the only reason this psalm is here is to tell us in life's troubles, we have a source of ultimate help. If we didn't have troubles, we wouldn't have a need to confess our help. So that's important for us. Secondly, it's not necessarily lack of faith to ask such questions of God. Many of the other psalms express people's doubts and griefs. That can be very spiritually healthy. So God's not asking us to stick our head in the sand and be in denial about life's troubles. Thirdly, this psalm tells us that God will preserve our lives from any, and this is important, ultimate harm. Our testimony is that even in the midst of life's trials, God is our, always our protector, our strength, our shield, our defender. He's going to bring us into the new creation, the new heaven and earth, where we will see the fulfillment of God's ultimate protection. And God's help in this life may not always take on the shape of what we expect or what we desire, but make no mistake, says the psalmist, we are always under his care. We're always under his protection. And if we let the Holy Spirit get that deep into our hearts, it'll alter the way that we navigate daily life. My help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. A friend of mine, Randy Holm, wrote a paper presented a paper a few years ago at a conference I was at, and in it he told the story of a friend of his, Don, uh, who after four years suffering from ALS, Lou, Lou Gehrig's disease, he, he died. Uh, it's a disease that slowly renders the sufferer immobile while the mind is still able to function. And, and Don was a believer in Christ, and he wrestled why God had allowed him to experience this disease. Had he sinned? Was he out of God's care? Did he not have enough faith? And eventually, the disease took away his, his ability to talk, but he was able to use a computer to communicate. And Randy records some of the things that, that Don wrote. Don says, my view has changed again. I get to look small children right in the eyes, because you know, he's laying in a bed. Adults, well, I seem to look them right in the abs, but that's okay, since abs are really in right now, according to far too many TV commercials. 
However, many of the abs that bounce across my field of vision are far from in, and more than a few appearing to be permanently out to lunch and having the consistency of homemade tofu. To look adults in the eyes, I have to look up, way up, which is where we all need to look more often, for as David said, that is where our help comes from. And I know that I need all the divine help possible. And Randy said, in the end, I say with confidence, Don died a healed man, not cured physically, but he knew the healing presence of God in a way that I may never understand or experience. Be assured, the Lord our guardian will preserve our lives forever. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. Maybe today you're experiencing something and you're wondering, okay, but God, where are you? And maybe there's some anxiety, there's some fear, there's some worry, there's some doubt about self or family or job or something else. And today I believe the Holy Spirit wants to just help elevate our faith, our trust, to look up with eyes of faith and see what the psalmist saw. The Lord ever awake, a shade and guardian of our lives, of our families, and of Tyndale University as well. Today let's follow the psalmist and confess, my help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Can we stand together? Let's make that confession together. My help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's say it together. My help is in the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this inspired scripture today that reminds us uh, that from your perspective, you are our guardian and our help. And for those that are in need of a touch from you and an elevation of faith, please bring that strength, bring that hope, bring peace and joy by your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. And now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you.